Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural. And I hope you enjoy this new show, whether you're viewing it on the internet or listening to a podcast version of the episode. I do want to thank you for being part of my audience. You can also find links to videos or podcasts on MiamiGhostChronicles.com as well as where you can submit your story about any eerie experiences you've had which I would love to hear about. Just go to the Submit Your Story tab. Please subscribe to our channel so that you receive notification of when we release a new show. And find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This is where I usually live stream and where I give you a behind-the-scenes look at locations where new episodes are being filmed at. I also tell you about all the interesting guests that will be appearing soon on Stories of the Supernatural. I hope you enjoy the show, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicle Stories of the Supernatural. How are you all doing today? Well, today, I'm doing really, really well. Part of it has to be because uh, of the guests that I have today on Stories of the Supernatural, and this lady's name is Cindy Parmeter. Now, Cindy uh, started out as a screenwriter uh, before deciding to pursue her dream of becoming an author. Now, she's always been fascinated by true ghost stories, yay, and uh, other tales of the supernatural. Her family history is steeped in folklore, so her stories were plentiful, which resulted in the true stories of the paranormal series, which she has several books on, and you're going to see some of the covers as we go through the show. Now, her work has been featured numerous times on the anthology web series Weird Darkness. Uh, she's a contributor to several online horror publications, and she's also been a featured guest on various podcasts. She's also a respected Harrow card reader, as well as a noted speaker on the subjects of the paranormal and the unexplained. So, how are you doing today, Cindy? I'm doing great. Fantastic. It is so great to have you on the show. And what I'm going to do, Cindy, is I want to ask you what I ask all my guests, which is even though it does make mention of that you had, uh, basically you had your family, which had some type of uh, folklore and paranormal experiences, but when did you have a paranormal experience as a child, as an adult? And it started out as a child, and it, it all stems from my mother's family. Okay. Um, we would go visit my grandmother, and she lived way out in the country in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And we would go every summer and stay out there. And her house, I mean, literally, when you talk about the middle of nowhere, she lived in the middle <laughs> of nowhere. Okay. You had to go out a rutted old dirt road, and she was a house with no running water and oh, wow. no indoor plumbing way out in the middle of nowhere, and no street lights, of course, because there were no streets, so at night it was just black, so I was terrified anyway, (laughs) but then I had experiences, this was just mine, everybody had experiences there, but mine was just a strange, like, waking nightmare, I was sleeping in the bed with my parents, and I woke my mom up, and I was screaming, they're after me, they're after me. And she kept telling me, it's just a nightmare, but, I mean, there was something, I was so terrified. I've never been so frightened, and I remember it now, as a child, how scared I was. And then after that, my sister was like, well, you were lucky, because you slept in the main bedroom. I always had to sleep in the spare bedroom, 
and something would slam its hands down on the bed every night. And my cousin also slept in that room, and he said the same thing. Something would hit the bed. And there was always something in that house. That there was a spring-loaded gate, and the gate would open and close. Oh. And my uncle said, you know, I sat on the porch and watched the gate open and shut. Like someone opened it, walked uh-huh. in, and closed the gate behind him. But there was no one there. And, but they were such practical people. My grandmother lived there until she was well into her 80s. And uh, she, it was just normal. She would hear people. She lived by herself most of the time. I had a cousin who sometimes lived with her. She was almost always alone. And she would hear steps, someone walking across her front porch, 3 o'clock in the morning. I mean, this is a wow. house you would never just happen upon. And was this a family home? Did you, or did your grandmother or, or your grandparents buy it originally from somebody else? This was a family home. Okay. And after she left, I mean, it didn't go to anyone. After she left it, it sat and rotted, I guess, because it just, it was not a place anyone would ever want. And anyone who'd ever been there would never have wanted it. I was gonna, so, no no um, takers on the, on the house, right? Um, so did you guys, was there any suspects as to who was causing the disturbance or anything like that? Never. And that was a strange thing with the family is that it was just a given that all this weird stuff went on and they would talk about it. They're extremely, very fundamentalist Christian, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, they totally believed in ghosts and spirits and demons. And it was like, well, this is just some weird thing that happens and... They didn't think anything about it, and that's why I grew up hearing these stories all the time. And one of my aunts, in particular, would tell stories well into the night, and I just ate it up. And my mom would finally say, "Stop! You're going to give her nightmares." <laughs> and I was like, "No, it never bothers me." But they all had strange. Only my mom's side of the family all had strange experiences. But wow. they would go to church on Sunday. They totally very strong believers, which was great. But at the same time. There were ghosts haunting the house, and there were demons, and that was just another part of their lives. Right, like you said, your grandmother spent all her days there, and like you said, even when she was alone, so she kind of like, I guess she made up her mind, if I want to stay living here, I'm just going to have to deal with it. Exactly, and she would bring, she would have dogs, that would be her company, and her dogs, one by one, the dogs would disappear. Oh, She'd have a dog, and she wouldn't have a dog. (laughs) <laughs> and she would find teeth and bones and stuff eventually around her house. Oh. But she never found her dogs. There was a big, there's a dog, there's no more dog. The dogs would bark when she would hear someone on the porch. There was someone on the porch because the dogs could hear it too. But she would, she never opened the door, but she would look out the window and there mm. wouldn't be anyone on the porch. But there was just always some weird thing going on in the house. My cousin, Donna, who has since passed away, but... She told me a story. She was very ill when she was a teenager. She was running a scorching fever, and she slept over at my grandmother's house with one of my aunts. And she said she slept in the living room on the couch, and she was covers and threw them off. And someone covered her back up. And this went on all night. And wow. her fever finally broke the next morning. And at breakfast, she told my grandmother and my aunt, I don't know which one of you was covering me up during the night, but you were killing me. And they were like, we didn't get up during the night. (laughs) So whoever kept covering her all night long was no one in the house. This is just strange. Everyone who ever stayed there had a story. And you think there was was more than one entity or more than one whatever haunting the place, you think? 
I do because that one seemed like whoever it was was just trying to help. They weren't being mean or anything. Mm-hmm. They were just covering up the sick girl. But the others, the, whoever was walking on the porch and whoever okay. was slamming their hands on the bed, I think that was more of a sinister thing going on. So I think there was definitely more than one spirit in that house. But I don't think it was family-related. And no one had ever passed away in that house mm-hmm. or anything. So, and as far as I know, it was a family home my, my, grandma, my grandmother and grandfather actually built. So no a one house. else had ever lived there. So I... Makes you wonder, yeah. though, maybe what was around, you know, in that land or if maybe there had been another structure, not exactly there, but close by that maybe who knows what could have happened. And when your grandparents built, they had no idea. Yeah, it could have been anything, really, but that's so interesting. Yeah. It's so scary as a kid. <laughs> so I see what... So what happened? You did you um did you like you said your grandmother passed away and nobody returned to the house like okay forget it none of us everybody's had their experiences so and what happened after that did you ever have anything other encounters or experiences? Oh yeah, it it continued for most of us. My grandmother, however, she didn't actually die in that house. She had okay. moved into a smaller house in town okay. and just left that house to go. Okay. But when she moved to the new home, she never had another problem herself. But my cousin, who moved in with her, he still did. But he always threw out his life, and he died very young. But he always had problems, no matter where he went. So and makes- so it, it continued there for just him. So do you think he was one of those cases where he was the one that was haunted versus the location? Oh, yeah, Definitely. Because he tried moving out of state, he moved to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. The apartment he lived in there, he said, you know, the burners on the stove would turn on by themselves. Wow. He was pushed down the flight of stairs when there was no one else around. Okay. Uh, he ended up moving back to West Virginia, in with my grandmother, and he would tell her, something comes to my window at night. Oh, my God. And beckons me to come outside. And yeah. she would say, it's just, it's the devil. Don't listen. Ignore it. And he ended up dying from a massive heart attack in his sleep in that room. But he was just terrorized throughout his life. And it no sounds where very went, malicious, whatever it was. It wasn't like a, like what you said where sometimes, you know, you hear noises or maybe a presence, but that's the extent of it. That's He sounds like what was going on with him was uh, was like malicious or malevolent enough, like you said, that he lived his life being afraid, which is a horrible thing, by the way. And I always wanted to believe that, you know, spirits don't want to hurt us. But in his case, I think they did. And I think in the end, maybe they ultimately did, because no one knows why at the age of 40 he died of a massive heart attack. He'd had his problems throughout his life, but Mm -hmm. it was a shock to everyone. And he was a very terrified person, and he wasn't afraid to say, you know, something's terrifying me everywhere I go. He He talked about it all the time. Yeah. Fear will do that to you. Let me tell you, that constant fear, anxiety, something that's really causing mm-hmm. you, that'll wear you down. I can see where absolutely that's going to stress you out and affect your health. Oh, yeah. Right. So, so okay, your grandmother, she, what happened was, or was, or did you have experiences other besides that house? Um, as, Not until I got married, pretty much, and my husband and I rented a house. Okay. And when we first moved in, it was fine. No problems. We lived there for a couple of years. No problems. Um, I got pregnant. Um, our daughter was born. And right after our daughter was born, 
things started happening. And it, it seemed to center around her. Really? Because uh, we, we had our bedroom and we had a baby's room for her. And we had two cats at the time. And even before my daughter was born, the cats would not go in that spare room ever. Oh. They were into everything in that house except for that room, would not sit foot in it. But we didn't think anything about it. Mm-hmm. They're cats and who knows. But we set the baby's room up, this beautiful room. She would not spend one night in that room. From minute one, she just screamed. And we just thought, well, we have a fussy baby. Mm-hmm. So we kept her in with us. And when she was old enough that we were like, no, she has to be in her own room. Again, not normal baby crying. I mean, she right. was one and a half or whatever. And would just cry until her face was as red as... Right. Uh, you as know that it's... Back. Terrified. Yeah. And when she was old enough to speak, she said that there were two men in her room. They would stand by the window sometimes, and other times they would shake her crib all night long. Oh, wow. And, and it was that one room? That, just that room. And I started sleeping in the floor of that room next to her crib. And she settled down after that, but I had the same exact experience that I had as a child at my grandmother's house in my daughter's room. Really? I would close my eyes, and normally you close your eyes, and it's dark, or you might see a little speck of this and that. It was like the 4th of July, and I don't know how else to describe it. I would close my eyes, and it was swirling lights and just activity all night long. And eventually it died down, but it was the weirdest thing. It won't let you rest, and it's just like all this activity happening around you, but it's inside your head. Mm-hmm. And my head was like, bang, these big pops inside my head and just the what? weirdest stuff. And it did eventually die down, but then we noticed things throughout the house. My husband and I, we were sitting in the living room, minding our own business, and we heard a crash in the kitchen. We went in, and my sister oven, which had been level on the countertop, was in the floor in as many pieces as it could be in. And it, it couldn't have slid off. And even if it had done, Let me tell you I that, mean, it was mashed. That takes a lot of power to move something like that. Exactly. And my husband, trying to be logical, maybe a truck went by it. No. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 no way. And he wasn't completely convinced. And then it happened with the tea kettle. Same exact thing. Nobody was in the kitchen. We heard a smash tea kettle in the floor. Any part of it that could come off had come off. And it was just our, our basement for us had made little cubbies to store old window panes and doors and all kinds of things, but it was totally level. Again, we're upstairs minding our own business. We're not jumping around and doing anything. And huge crash. My husband, the chicken, wouldn't even go downstairs. I went down, and all of that stuff was in the floor. Glass, shards, everywhere, everything was down and I always hated that basement it was where the laundry was and sometimes as crazy as it sounds I would put the laundry in and run up the stairs because you get that feeling just that yes. tickle on the back of your neck and I yes. something was there and it just scared the crap out of me and I would run I an get... adult woman oh no let me tell you something that's like, that's like your logic is like forget the logic part I know I need to get out of here now exactly it's weird <laughs> Get out, and you just know when something's not right, and that house was not right. And and did you ever find out any time. history on it or anything at all? I'm, so, I'm sorry? Did you ever find out any history or find out anything as if anything had ever happened we there? We did. In this case, we did. 
um, because it kept going on. Um, none of our electrical appliances would last. Our VCRs, our DVD players, our televisions, gone, gone, gone. Light bulbs would literally burst out of the sockets. Wow. Time and time again. And we actually called an electrician, and he was like, you know, it's sound. I don't know why your appliances keep breaking down. I don't know what's going on. Your electric system is sound. Eventually, uh, I have to tell you the last thing that happened that got us out of the house. And this was, it's the house had a floor furnace. Okay. We're minding our own business again. My little girl was in bed and bam, the floor furnace fell through into the basement. And the as what? naive as we were, I called 911 and told them what happened. And they were, they didn't seem too concerned. We'll send someone out. My husband went down and turned off a pilot light, the wrong one eventually we found out. And we thought, well, we're safe now. So I called 911 again and said, oh, forget it. We took care of it. Just then, our whole neighborhood was lit up. Fire trucks, one after the other. They cordoned off the neighborhood. Our neighbors were evacuated. Firemen rushed in our house and said, get out now. And we, we were so silly. We didn't know what, why did everyone in such a panic. Okay. Of course, there was a gas line attached to this furnace. Oh. And they were terrified that the gas line had been severed and that any moment the whole house was going to go up, if not the whole block. Oh, and wow. we stood out in the street, February, freezing, and eventually the fireman came out, and he was so, he walked up to my husband, and he said, I want to shake your hand because you're the luckiest man I know. He said, in separate, it's just, it's science. That's what would happen. But in your case, whoever had this house built put a blower underneath to blow out more hot air, and that furnace had fallen and landed on the blower instead of the floor, and it was just enough to save the gas. And he said, this would never happen. Nobody ever builds those blowers. You were so lucky. And we just figured, you know what, something's been trying to get us out of this house for ages. And this was their last warning that, you know, we could hurt you if we want to. So this is it. We're giving you one more chance to get out of here. And we moved out the next and it was. He was like, okay. So you were there eight years. Yeah. And this was like what you said, that's it. We're not going to find out. That's. Let so me, we I, did find out who was in the house because oh. my mother was in the house before us. Okay. Not my mom. Any of this stuff was going on until the furnace thing, and she was like, "Well, I know the two men that my daughter was talking about." She's like, "The lady who had the house before us, her father and her husband both died in that house in that spare bedroom because that was her sick room, and they both passed away in there." And my mom was like, you know, but they were really nice men. And I was like, well, they might have been nice men, but they didn't want us living in their house. But it was very strange to me that there were two men who died in the room, that my daughter, this right. child, she saw two men. And, and I didn't know that story. I had no idea that exactly. anyone had passed away in the house. So I think those were the guys, and I don't think they ever wanted to hurt us, but I do think they wanted us to leave. And it all stirred up when my daughter came into the picture and I've always heard that babies can bring an energy yes and I think that I think that she just kind of awakened them and they wanted their house back it's yeah people and and because they died in the not at the same time obviously you know but in that one room so this was oh what and that thing about the furnace that is incredible that right there, I understand exactly why you decided after that it's time to get out of here. It's like, what? 
Yeah, that could have been so dangerous. The whole thing, I mean, that doesn't happen. Furnaces don't just fall in like that. It was one in a million that, and the fact that it didn't blow up. And I mean, all of our neighbors were just terrified. Everyone standing out in the street, it was such a crazy scene. And I was like, we, all, all this just because of these people wanted us out of this house. But they got their way, and it, it all worked out because the house that we moved to was fine. We never had any problems. So it was just that house. Exactly, and and uh, and that's the thing. One, you know, I a lot of people don't realize that you can have those disturbances, and it doesn't have to be. Everybody thinks of like way like like a long time ago, turn of the century. Not really. You could have something. When I say recent, I mean in twenty, thirty, forty years before, and you can have that level or intensity of a haunting. Even f- without the, you know how you always think of the tragedy, the violent death, or the suicide, you know, as far as an active or intelligent haunting, you can have something like that. Two people, or two men in this case, that uh, they just, this was, for some reason, they were very territorial for about this house. Yeah. A, a strangest thing. And, and my mother, the fact that she had known both of them while they were living, I mean, it wasn't really that long ago. And, uh, you know, they were great guys, but just a very strange situation of just wanting their house back. That is incredible. So here you go. You moved out. And like you said, luckily, no more, no more hauntings at the house. And did you ever have any other experiences or what, what was it that uh, propelled you to start writing your stories as far as the, having to do with the paranormal? We've always had just little things. Um, some of them are just odd. I have to tell the story of little Alice because everybody loves this story. And God bless her. My husband's grandmother, Audrey, was a lady who loved to go to flea markets. She loved antiques and auctions. And she gave us a doll. This is when my daughter was smaller. And um, this doll was probably two and a half feet, three feet, kind of a larger one. And she talked. And it, she was really beautiful, blonde, curly hair. And gave her to us and that was great and the doll would talk and she would say nice things like I want to be your friend my name is little Alice and then she would say I like peas and carrots and then I was outside with her one day on the porch swing and she said you need professional help what? and I was like what what did she say and I told my husband <laughs> Holy you God. need professional help uh, <laughs> and I told my husband, I was like, oh, my God, you're not going to believe what little Alice just said. And we tried to get her to say it again, and she would not. She went back to, I like peas and carrots, I want to be your friend. And I was like, I'm not kidding you. This doll told me I need professional help. He thought I was crazy. And then later on, little Alice started, she was speaking in a normal, no accent. She started speaking with a German accent. What? And my husband did this as well. And she, at one point, it was like she was reading court transcripts, and she talked about Nazis, and she talked about trials, and it went on and on, like she was just reading page after page, and we were like, oh my gosh, this is unreal, and then we could not get her to do it again. When she finally stopped, she never did it again. Everything she did that was so crazy and out of the ordinary only happened once. And we can never get it to repeat. And it drove us crazy. And, but we 
for some reason, we did not throw this doll away. I put her in the shed mm-hmm. in our backyard. Uh, I didn't want to get rid of her. She was a gift, and she was really unique, but she creeped us out so much. But then yeah. every time we'd have to go to the shed for anything, there would be little Alice being creepy. And so eventually, I just put her in the trash. He was like, and you know. months, months later, I had to go get something out of the shed, and I found her hair, which had been attached to her head. For some reason, when I threw her away, I hadn't noticed that her hair wasn't attached. She wore a little bonnet, and there was her little doll wig laying there. Oh, my it was God. Just, she freaks us out so much. I've never had a doll. I don't know what she was, and I tried to research her. Little Alice, Jeremy, right. anything. I couldn't find out anything about her. And people say, why did you get rid of that doll? You should have kept that doll. Like, well, you didn't meet that doll. You wouldn't Yeah, I know. It's horrible. Like... <laughs> exactly. It's like little Alice is like, forget it. You know, little Alice is giving me nightmares. Thanks. No. Yeah, it's like, it wasn't normal. No doll is programmed to tell you you need professional help, I don't think. No, and no. Someone suggested to me, well, you know, maybe she had been used as like a spy tool or something. Maybe that's why, you know, she had all these weird documents programmed into her. And I was like, I don't know. That's I don't way know out about there. That, but, yeah. And the German accent is like, okay. Yeah. It was just crazy. Uh, she is the strangest object I've ever encountered. And we've had kind of some weird objects, some pictures and stuff that creeped us out and some were, that were bad luck that we got rid of. But Little Alice was something very unique. I've never come across anything like her before. Let me tell you something. Little Alice. Wow. You're absolutely right. What a story. Little Alice is like, I mean, and this is the thing, you know, nowadays besides uh, garage sales, a lot of people pick up things, you know, when they put them on the curb. And yeah. I tell you, you, you got to be really careful because sometimes you really don't know what you're picking up. Yeah, It could have been grandpa's or grandmother's stuff that died. And here they, oh and my God, what a find. For a reason. Yes. Yeah, I mean, Sometimes I, that, that, that is spooky. I'm really strange about that. I don't like old cameras. I don't like old mirrors because I've always heard and I totally believe that they capture images and whatever images they capture are locked in there somewhere. And sometimes you don't want to know what they've seen. I don't like any antique mirrors or cameras or anything like that. I'm really freaked out about it. And my husband loves antique stuff. Like, don't ever bring anything like that into my house. I don't like it. Uh, It brings with it stuff that I just don't want. People don't realize, I tell them, because, and this is the thing also, you could have the most innocuous looking object. In other words, nothing creepy. Like, let's say, for example, you know, stuff that nowadays, it could be anything. Uh, It could be like a little China doll, something. But if it meant something, it it can get an attachment, I guess is my point. Uh, It doesn't have to be creepy or it could just have meant something significant to the owner for whatever reason. And the next thing you know, you bring that home and things start to happen. And then a lot of people tear their hair out, never making the connection until you start going back and they go, okay, when did this start? When did you start noticing these things or what? And a lot of times if they catch on, they realize a point of origin was that object. So you have to be really careful. Um, And also, um, 
I've noticed that sometimes people don't realize, and, and I'm glad you made that point that sometimes you'll go to certain houses or certain houses, nothing happens to certain people, but then you get another family moves in. And like you said, in your example that you had a baby that for some reason, this seems to do something where it triggers or amps up uh, activity at a house that, or the, you know, what you mm -hmm. heard of when people do the, uh, they start to remodel the house, which a lot of people do sometimes when they go into a new house. Uh, and that's why I think sometimes some things are dormant and depending on who's there or what's happening, then you get activity and you'll ask the prior owner and they'll tell you, Oh, I never felt anything or nothing happened to me. And it's like, uh, it's, it's kind of a weird mystery going on there as far as the, the hauntings, especially if it's low key. So, uh, did you, are you the kind of person though, that when you go to certain places, uh, you get those feelings? Are you sensitive in other words? I am. And sometimes in, in, around places, but sometimes more so around people, mm -hmm. some people, um, my husband had a DVD store and I would work at it sometimes. And there was this guy who would come in and he was kind of creepy, but he wasn't anyone that you would avoid or anything. But the first time I had to encounter this guy, I was physically ill. Just really? looking up at him made me so sick. And after a couple of times, I told my husband, I can't ever wait on this guy again. And when he comes, I have to go somewhere else. He makes me so ill. And I, I don't know what it is. He seems nice. He was never rude or anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just could not stand him. And it was probably months since I had seen this guy. And my husband said, I stopped working for him. And my husband said, do you remember that guy that used to creep you out and make you so sick? And I said, he got arrested. He is a child molester, and this has been a long thing with him. Oh, my God. And he had all these victims, and I was like, I knew this guy made right. me so sick. Exactly. And, and I've had that feeling in houses, too, that I'll go in, and I'll just immediately feel watched or feel like something wrong has happened here. Mm -hmm. and, you know, I don't want to be here. And everybody else seems happy, and they're fine, and I'm like, maybe it's just me, but... You know, something's wrong. Uh, I can't be here. And I have to excuse myself. I'm this really weird person. I have to go outside and get some air, and people think I'm just nuts. But I think, no, there's just something wrong, and I don't want to say it to anyone, but right. something's wrong. In this. Right, but and you've learned to listen to your gut, even though your logic is telling you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people don't it, do that. It lot... reminds me to one of my favorite stories. I'm sorry. Let's go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I used to sell real estate and mm -hmm. uh, one of the other realtors told me a story and it really creeped me out. I love animals and she said uh, she knew a realtor who had shown a house to a lady and uh, they went in and she had to make a phone call and the lady that was the client started exploring the house and she went upstairs and she loved the house. Everything about it was perfect. She was going to make an offer on it. And while she was upstairs going through the rooms, uh, there was a white cat. And the cat was very sweet. It was rubbing against her, and it was nice. And then when they went into certain rooms, the cat's demeanor would immediately change. And so the cat would hiss, and it got really um, aggressive. And the woman started to feel really sick. And she went downstairs, and she told the realtor, you know, I've got to think about the house, and there's a cat upstairs. 
And the realtor was like, there's not supposed to be a cat here. And she went upstairs, couldn't find the cat. Um, the lady said, you know, I'll think about the house. I'll let you know. She decided she could not take the house. Um, something about the cat and the sick feeling that she got, she just didn't want the house anymore. And she bought another house. It was all fine. And her realtor called her months down the line and said, did you see what happened? Did you read the newspaper? And she's like, no. And the house that you looked at, the one that you loved, and then you changed your mind about, the couple who bought that house were murdered. Uh, they were killed in a home invasion. Oh. And she felt from then on the lady was pretty sure the cat was a premonition and a warning to her yes. that it's not for you. Something bad's going to happen here. Yeah. And it saved her, and then she had sort of survivor's guilt. You know, why did the cat save me? But this couple ended up losing their lives in that house. And that's just the weird way that fate works. But Hey, for um, all she knows, uh, maybe the white cat appeared to them, and they were like, oh, get this cat out of here. She doesn't know. That's yeah, exactly. Because some people would scoff at that and think, oh, there's just a cat. Who cares? Yeah. But he took it very seriously, and it, it saved her life at the end of the day. And I do think that we, all of us, sometimes we're sent little angels and yes. we don't realize it because, I mean, I've heard people say, I, there was a horrible story, it took place in Michigan years ago, of a stewardess who was murdered in a hotel mm-hmm. and she opened the door for a guy who said he was maintenance. Another stewardess had been in the room beside her. The same guy had come to her door and a little something inside of her said, don't open the door. So how many times does that happen to us sure. that we think twice about something and we don't even realize yes. what we've done? But we yes. may have just saved our lives or someone else's and we didn't even realize it. Oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm going to give you my own story. Like when I was like, um, I had to have been like maybe 19. My first car, it was one of those 1970-something Camaros. Got it brand new. And you know that they have, you know, those bucket seats that are like the high, you know, the front seat. And, mm-hmm. it, and I have a dream. And my grandfather on my father's side had already passed away. And he was, when he passed away, he had like, his hair was all white. But to be honest, I don't remember ever really dreaming with him. Uh, And in that dream, I'm leaving my house and I'm coming up to my car, but I'm looking through my car, like through, you know, like when you look through the back window where you can see the back, like into your car. And I'm seeing what looks like his head sitting in the passenger seat next to mine because of the white hair. But it was one of those things like, yeah, my grandfather that's dead, he's sitting in, but it didn't weird me out. Of course, dream thing didn't weird me out. I was like, oh, oh, okay. And it was like one of these really short, logical, but really short dreams. Like I'm coming out, here's my dead grandfather sitting in my passenger seat. And um, that was it. Next day, driving down the street of regular street normal traffic it was on a highway and all of a sudden i see this car coming it was a two lane uh street i see this guy coming up straight like i don't know i i want to say he was changing lanes but he really wasn't changing lanes because it wasn't like you know when you go around the car and you get in front of it he was just charging straight up towards where i was at and I went and I like, thank God there was like a big easement on either side of the road where I just like pulled over like, because to be honest with you, it took me a bit to realize, is that like, you know, when you go, is that a car coming towards me? Wait a minute. 
and he's not going back into his lane. Oh God. Yeah. And I really think to this day that it was my grandfather trying to give me like a heads up because I had never dreamt with him before or any, I don't think even afterwards that it was almost like a be careful kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I said, when you're 19, you really, when you're a teenager, you don't pay attention to that things, but I never forgot that. I remember like after I pulled over to the side, you know, when you, that feeling, I just dodged a bullet and that dream mm-hmm. came to my mind like right away. And I was like, wow, oh, I wonder what he was, was he trying to tell me or was he trying to tell me I'm taking care of you? I, it was such a weird incident, but uh, luckily, like, of course, I'm here to tell the tale. But in other words, if I wouldn't have gotten off the road, I, 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 even to this point, I don't understand what that guy was doing, why he was going straight up on the opposite lane from where he was supposed to be on. Yeah. So, yeah, sometimes we have those moments when we get like a little heads up. Unfortunately, not everybody, though, pay it, pays attention to them because they do the, oh, it's my imagination or even though it's really obvious or no, that's too obvious or things like that. Like they don't they don't pay attention to their gut. So. Exactly. And I, I think that happens more often than we ever know. I mean, we can't really know, but I think, yeah, some of us are, are a little more tuned in. And I've had times when I've done something stupid and I'll think, why did I do that? I mean, every instinct told me that was a dumb thing to do mm-hmm. and I didn't. And I'm fortunately so far have survived those dumb incidences, but it only takes one time. Yes. But there have also been other times when I've just had something urging me, don't do that. And I had just a small thing, but coming out from my mother's house, she lives on a very busy street with a super busy intersection. There's a red light there, a traffic light, and I stopped at it, and my light turned green, and I was going to go, and something, it was almost as if it just clearly said, don't move. Mm-hmm. And I just sat there in traffic, and a few beats went by, and a car just flew through the red light, going the opposite way. They would have, I would, they would have obliterated me. Right, it would have. Yeah. It was just that weird thing that something just said, "Just sit here for a minute," and and whatever it was, it saved me from massive injury. Yes, I know exactly that you that that moment that, and luckily you listened to it because a lot of people go, "Oh, just God, oh my God, I'm imagining things. What am I gonna? Let me let me get going." But yeah, uh, and there's a lot of times that you really don't know because like in that example I gave you, I knew exactly what I had, the bullet I had dodged, I had dodged like, but um, there was a time that I was doing some work where I had really odd hours and I had to go, I was in two or three in the morning and I had to go sometimes into questionable parts of town and just to different places and hospitals and things. And there was times where something told me, one, don't get out of my car yet. I mean, because I was pretty good at being aware of what was going on around me. But still, something would always, sometimes, and I, after a while, you learn to listen to it, which is like, you know, you turn off your car, and usually you, know, you grab your things, and you're ready to leave. And there was a couple of times where something told me, just don't get out of the car. Just wait a minute. Wait a minute. And I usually listen to it because, and those are the kind times that you really don't know what what was the bullet that you dodged, but I'm, I know that. Or other times where I've gone to certain places where exactly like what you said, that you feel, I need to get out of here, like right now. I mm-hmm. don't know what it is, but I don't want to find out. I need to get out of here. So I understand exactly as far as uh, the intuition thing. Or, and other times I've done exactly like what you said. After you do something, you go, I knew, what did I do? That, that was so st- I, I already knew beforehand, like, 
I uh, I poo pooed my my gut and yeah, went ahead and did it. it. We're a weird species that sometimes, I mean, a a, a lion, uh, the gazelle knows the lion's dangerous and the lion's not going to change. But for some reason, with humans, we'll we'll be in a dangerous situation. I'm like, ah, it'll be okay. And we talk ourselves kind of out of what our intuition is telling us. And I've tried to be a lot better about that. And if my gut tells me, you know, get out of here, this is wrong, or get away from this person, something, they've done something horrible, I kind of listen to that a lot more now. Yes. Yes, like you said, with that guy that was coming to that store that you really didn't know what it was about him. And... It's almost sometimes like we guilt ourselves, especially when it comes to like when you meet somebody that you feel that way about and you're like, wow, this, this person really hasn't done anything for me to feel this way. You know, you try to almost guilt yourself into not feeling it. But sometimes I think either because of psychic or because subconsciously there's certain cues that we pick up on that they start telling us, giving us that message of like, be careful or... In the case of that, that you found out later on that the guy was a child molester. That's incredible. So, uh, Cindy, yeah. when you start writing, and I was curious to ask you, because I've heard a lot of times that some authors, when they're writing in the process of writing certain books, that they start having experiences. Like, in other words, almost like they're stirring the pot when they're writing these stories. Has that happened to you? If it has, I'm not really aware of it. Um, I can't think of a time when during writing something's affected me or I felt like I'm stirring up energies or anything. But my one of my cousins, Donna, again, I my first couple of books, I featured Donna a lot because she had a lot of stories and she loved to tell them. And I sent her paperbacks when the books were published and she called me and she said, I just got your book. And I laid it on the table, and I laid my iPad on top of it, and now my, my iPad's not working. And I went into diabetic shock, and my husband had to go get me insulin, and it was all because your book came. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, get throw away the book. You don't have to have it. And she's like, no, 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 I want the book. I just wanted to let you know that your book is giving off a lot of energy, and it's affecting everything in my house. And I was like, okay. That was a, kind of a weird feeling for me because yeah. Uh, but she, but she said also reading it stirred up a lot with her, and she would actually have panic attacks reading the books because she hadn't relived those stories for so long. And a lot of the stories, and we grew up together, so um, she had heard the same stories I had, and now she was hearing reading stories that she had heard when she was a little girl, and it brought back all these memories, and she would have panic attacks remembering, oh, my gosh, I remember when that happened. Um, so that was, it was weird for her, but I've not really noticed anything for myself. So basically she had like a case of PTSD when she was reading those books where all of a sudden she was, she got anxious when she, wow. So what yeah, was it? Was the moment. What would you say would be one of the stories that you think was, God, because it sounds like she had more than one, right? Oh yeah. And um, she was someone she was affected at my grandmother's house, just like we all were. Mm -hmm. But then when she got married, she lived in Florida with her first husband and the apartment that they lived in. And she fell asleep on the couch one night and the TV woke her up when, when it went off air and it started buzzing. And she woke up and there was something in front of the TV, there was something there in the room with her. And her husband and her baby were in the bedroom 
and she didn't know how to get from the couch to the bedroom around this thing that she couldn't describe this creature that was in her living room. And she said she jumped over the coffee table, and she felt it scratch her arm. She got into the bedroom with her husband, and she locked the door, and it could have been a nightmare, except the next morning she had had scraped her. And she had just all kinds of little things like that where her, and her her brother was the one who lived his whole life being terrorized. And the two of them together seemed to always have something going on. Wow. And, oh, so this was okay. I see what you're saying, that he was the one that you talked about that he passed away when he was 40 years old because right. of the heart attack. Okay. And wow. this was the who also seemed to have experiences. Um, lots of them the fever, who something was covering her up during the night. Um, she had experiences with her first husband. Um, she was with her second husband, and she had grandchildren at this time. She was driving, and her little grandson, three years old, was in the back seat, and they drove by a house, and it wasn't a house she was familiar with, and he started just chattering away in the back, and he was talking to his friends who lived in that house, and the house was vacant. But he was chattering away, and he said, they want you to get out and go to the barn. And she was like, well, why do they want me in the barn? Well, they don't like you, and they want you to come to the barn. And she, she said there was no barn. You could just see the house. And right. we drove past this house several times, and at one point he wasn't with her. And she stopped the car and got out and looked around the house, and there was a barn around back, but he couldn't have known that. Right. And it was just creepy things like that. that it kind of runs in her family. I was going to say, it looks, sounds like a family yeah. thing as far as, wow. Like you said, there's no way for him to know that that back there, that in other words, that, that lends validity to whatever conversation, whoever he was having that conversation with. And when she said the creature, that's that's pretty creepy. She she wasn't talking about as a ghost or a human, I guess is what I'm saying. It was, what, something non-human? Did she ever tell you what she saw? Something non-human. But she couldn't, I mean, she didn't flat out say exactly what it was, some shadowy figure thing, but there was something moving in the room. There was something there. And if it was anyone else, I would say, ah, you were just having a nightmare. But she yeah. always had weird stuff going on. And then she always had physical that something had happened okay. to her. Okay. And it's strange things. Um, her mother mm -hmm. um, was, she was the one who left to tell the ghost stories all through the night. And she had lived in an apartment that was undoubtedly haunted because my mother, who doesn't believe in any of this stuff, the one member of the family who doesn't believe in it, <laughs> said that she had all kinds of horrible things happen in that apartment when she would visit. But she was like, there's no doubt that that apartment was haunted. Um, it was when they were younger, and my aunt said if she was there by herself, she'd go take a bath, and she would shut the bathroom door, and the bathroom door would open. And if she would open the bathroom door, it would slam shut. What? And there was always noises in the house. She was shampooing her hair one day in the kitchen. She was leaning over the sink, and she felt someone right there on her neck, and she threw the shampoo bottle to try to hit them. And there wasn't anyone there. The shampoo hit the floor. I said there was something, there had been someone there. You can feel when someone's that close to you. Exactly. And just a bad feeling in the house. And there would be a bad smell of sulfur. Oh, that's not good. That is not good at all. 
Exactly. She would have to get out because she couldn't be in the house with that smell. She'd come back and it was gone. And my uncle um, didn't believe in any of this. And yet the final straw, my cousin Larry, the one who died young, he had an experience there where he had fallen asleep in the living room and he woke up and there were people sitting in the chairs in the living room and they were pointing to him and they were talking, whispering, and he just laid there and watched them watching him. And this was all the time in this apartment. Everyone who went there, my mom said she couldn't stay there for more than a day or two. She would go stay with my grandmother when she was in town because she couldn't stay in the apartment. You could always felt someone was watching you. There was always weird smells and weird sounds. And the final straw for them was one night they locked the doors, they went to bed, and someone banged on the door. Hard knock. My uncle got up. He opened the door, he checked there. The hallway was empty. There was no one there. He locked up again, went back to bed, bang, bang, bang on the door. Nobody there. Back to bed, huge bang. He runs into the living room. The door is full open, and it hits so hard it knocked a hole in the wall. What? And there's no one there. And they moved out of the apartment. And even after that, he never would say that apartment was haunted. He was just like, we got to get out. Something's wrong. But he wouldn't admit what was going on. But my aunt was like, that was it. We had to leave. You That's know, another obviously, statement. But... Something's wrong. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that sounds like whatever was there was very malevolent. I mean, to, to, to be oh, able yeah. to... God. And let Anytime me ask you something. I mean, it's funny what you're saying about your uncle. That he must have been ready, probably. That you would think that this would be the the convincer for him. Like, yeah, okay, this place is haunted. Yeah, I think it's sometimes hard for some men. To oh admit. yes, they want to find a logical explanation right up to the end, and it's like sometimes you just have to give in. Yeah, well, I guess for a man, as far as how can you fight something you can't see, or how can you deal with something you can't see? And, exactly. Yeah. And I know that they have a problem with the, the unseen thing. Did uh, Cindy, have you ever worked or did you ever join a paranormal group? Or or is this strictly just uh, stories that you collected from your um, family? These are the stories that I've collected. Um, it, in the beginning, they were all family stories. Mm -hmm. And then um, they would branch out to friends who knew I was writing. Oh, well, I know. Let me tell you my story. And then when I started... Um, okay. publishing books and when I started doing interviews people contact me now through social media I get mm -hmm. all kind of, I get stories from people all over the country that just and some of them are so similar the I had one lady um, her story was very similar to my cousin's where the burners on her stove would come on by themselves her blender would turn on by itself mm -hmm. just something going on all the time and I mean in her kitchen some red blob just fell out of the ceiling and what? nobody could identify it. Um, they didn't know what to do with it, so she buried it under a planter out in her yard, and the planter disintegrated. It was just huh. weird stuff. Um, I get so many amazing stories, and I've met so many amazing people, but uh, I've never been a part of a group. I've always been okay. just fascinated, but now stories come to me that just, I, I'm, I spend so much time just reading. I'm so amazed at what people go through and that they live to tell the tale at the end of the day. Some of them just surprised me that they made it out in one piece. And she was one of them. Her story was one of the scarier ones for me. And I was just, I'm so glad you got out. 
Yeah, I, I interviewed this gentleman, Ed Becker, and he was, he had an experience, this was way back like in 1970-something, he wrote a book about it, and he was telling me, you know, unfortunately his wife was the one staying home with their baby, so she was the one that got the brunt of all these experiences in this house that they had gotten, because he said back then, a lot of times they wouldn't rent to people with children or with babies, and he was like that, same thing, the man's man, like, I don't believe it's haunted, but anyway... He said one time uh, his wife had gone off to spend, I think it was a few days or a month, something with her mom. So he had to uh, come home and be by himself. And he says that what really truly convinced him was one of the times that he knows that this thing had turned on the stove. And in other words, it started to amp up and it was like almost like what you were describing where... It's almost like a hint, you know, if we really wanted to do something worse. He said that that thing, because it was one of those gas stoves, where mm-hmm. he realized that it got him thinking, okay, because certain things have been happening, and of course he had tried to deny it, denial, whatever. And like I said, since he spent most of his time working, he wasn't there for all everything that was happening, because one of the things that he explained to me was that contrary to what people think, a, a bulk of the occurrences were like during the daytime, like like normal family life versus what you always think of as the nighttime hauntings. So mm-hmm. I guess just because he wasn't there, he missed a lot of the what was going on. And uh, having to be there by himself was his first true exposure. And he says that that's what, you know, eventually they, um, they ended up moving out. And of course, that was many, many years ago. But uh, he, he, Describe exactly what you were saying that something happens where you realize this is giving me hints that whatever is here it could become lethal in other words yeah. I mean not to make it sound all dramatic but it's not like oh I'm hearing like a knock or you know or footsteps or you know something that's scary but nothing bad comes of it as far as safety in other words and he he described. I'm I'm doing the 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 quick version of it, but uh, yeah, that was that one event where he knew that whatever was there was harmful. And uh, I think a lot of people sometimes, especially now, because there's so many shows with uh, the ghost things that some people don't realize. Depending on what it is that's there, that uh, yeah, it it could affect you whether it's mentally or health-wise, whether it's the anxiety, or in some cases, like what you described happened to you when you were in that house, that you could, not only your house, your whole neighborhood could have blown up. Mm-hmm. And people don't realize yeah, that things I've, like that can happen. All of these, I've literally now had hundreds of stories come my way. And the more that I learn and the more that I've experienced, I really do think there's a difference between spirits who once were living and entities that have never been living. Mm-hmm. And I right. think that those are the ones that you have to worry about because I really think that spirits that have were one time living like the, the ones that haunted our house. I don't think they really ever wanted to hurt us because they could have. Mm-hmm. I think they just want us to leave and how else they, they just couldn't come out and say leave. So they just had to do all these little piddling things that then turned into one big thing to say, okay, go. But I think, 
like with my cousin Larry, I think whatever was haunting him was something that had never been living because it was really hateful and mean for no reason and followed him wherever he went. Right. The theory is on some of them that they, that's what it feeds off of when you're talking that kind of uh, entity is it feeds off like what you were talking about, fear, uh, Mm -hmm. anxiety, all the negative emotions. And, um, I, I mean, I was doing, I've been doing investigations since the 1990s and, you know, a, a lot of, not all the cases, but sometimes you do run across people like that or even families, I hate to say it, that when you start talking to them and you, you know, you're trying to find, okay, when, when, when was, what's the point of origin of this? When did it start happening? All of a sudden they're telling you that they've had similar experiences, like in the last three places they lived mm-hmm. and you start realizing, okay, do you realize that it might not be where you're moving to it might be you guys or one of you guys or something like that and then usually not all the time but usually because that's one of the things i would do i would always talk to all the members whoever was involved separately not in front of everybody else because sometimes they tell you things that because i would tell them look whatever you're going to tell me i'll keep in confidence but if you want some help you know you have to tell me the truth because and uh in some cases there would always be that one person who would start talking about uh, experiences starting in early childhood and mm-hmm. um, they would be malevolent sometimes and then they sometimes would go through years with nothing really happening not really you know significant and then it would pick up and um, almost like like what you said it's almost like when things were kind of peaceful and happy something would happen whether it was in the relationship something would and then of course once they got married or started a family and then then we would be talking something else than just okay are we talking regular old dead people like those two guys who just like wanted their house to themselves mm-hmm. and uh but yeah a lot of people it's it's incredible how sometimes people don't realize that it's them versus the the, the house you know, they just think it's pure bad luck that they keep on ending up in all these houses where things start happening. And it's like, you know, yeah, it can happen, but not really. And Cindy, let me ask you, it says here that you also, uh, you do the tarot. How did you get involved with doing the tarot? I've always been interested, but mm-hmm. didn't go didn't go the path of really learning. And then I started getting more interested and I, I got my cards and... I, I just, I love them. I got had such a connection. The minute yes. I got my deck in my hand, I was like, I just fell in love with those cards, and they're like my security blanket. Yes. And, and it's amazing to me. As people, I did a reading, because people scoff at tarot. I believe in it so strongly. Mm-hmm. And I did a reading for a fellow, this was just, probably last week and he was worried about where's my career going and literally every card I pulled for him was success in business it just it just screamed everything that that he was mm-hmm. wanting to know every card just addressed it and then when I, I talked to him later and he was like this was great you know this was what I needed and you know I tell people their cards and anything can change from one minute to the next yes but Sometimes they are just on point. 
Yes, and absolutely. I think they're just so helpful to people who already, I think some of the people already know the mm-hmm. answer. They just want some, some sort of verification. Or, yes. And that's what the cards are. And it's amazing to me time and time again how, how much I can learn about a person through the cards. And even myself, I read myself all the time, and I'm like, yes, yes exactly. Um, but I just, I straight away. And the more I learn, the more I want to learn. And I'm just, I just drink it up. Right. Do you only have there one deck that you work with, or do you have more than one deck? Because, I mean, I know what you're saying as far as once you be, you get a deck, for my, for example, myself, nobody ever touches my decks as in plural, because, you know, they, they have my energy. They have my, my juju, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. My mojo, whatever. Touching my deck. My deck, exactly. And I mean, and I don't mean it in a possessive type of way in the sense of it's mine. Right. It's um, mm-hmm. that uh, just like the same way what we we're talking about that, you know, people live, leave an imprint on certain items. It's the same thing as far as, mm-hmm. um, you know, especially when you do that type of work with tarot that because I don't know whether you want to call it energy exchange or uh, I don't know. It's something that you, and I mean, a couple of times I've gotten decks that it just didn't work for me. It was like, Oh, you know, like, it's like, this is, this is not working for me. It was like, and I put them away because for some reason they just didn't feel right. And I mean, I would put them away and then I would start up again to see if the feel was different and it wasn't. It was like, okay, about the third time of trying that, I, I realized that not, because there's different, uh, do you work with a classic one or do you have a certain, um, do you have a certain one that you like to work with? No, I just have the classic and I just have the one deck and I'm I connected with it right off the bat and I I don't think I uh, would want to even try another deck because I'm so it's exactly what you said Uh, my energy is so in this deck of cards Mm -hmm. and I mean I'm I'm not possessive about it either but I'm like don't touch now you've messed up everything because all my energy is in there and now you put your energy on there exactly I'm really worried about it but um, yeah it's just the the classics and they work for me I'm really attached to them and um yeah, but I'm really strange. I have to know where they are all the time, and I'm, they have to be in the same place, and I'm, I'm just really strange about it. But I do think there, whatever intuition I naturally have is transferred into those cards. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're a great conduit. I just, I just yes. love them. And I've had really um, – and I love doing readings. I, didn't, I wasn't sure that I would because I was a little bit scared. Um, but it, it just comes really naturally. If I don't feel it, um, I don't tell people what they want to hear. Right. If I don't feel it, I just, I, I'm not getting it. I'm sorry. But I've had people tell me, you know, I had a reading and, you know, I, I was interested in this guy and the tarot reader told me he would be calling me on this exact date at this exact time and it didn't happen. And I'm like, well, whoever told you that? Uh, no, I've never had the cards tell me exactly someone's going to call someone. Yes, exactly, on, on this date and time. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it never came. And I'm like, please don't let anyone tell you that. Exactly. They can't know. I'm sorry. No, they could just. And, uh, but I agree with what you say that a lot of times it confirms what people already know, especially if it's, it's not all the time, but something that they don't want to hear either, either, you know, they're hoping that you're going to tell them the opposite of what they kind of already know or suspect. And that's why mm -hmm. it's always good to be truthful as far as, yeah, I think, you you know, in other words, you might suspect that they might not want to hear what you're going to tell them, but in the long run, um, it's better that than like what you just said, oh, he's going to be calling on Tuesday at 4 p.m. Make sure to stay by the phone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, nothing happens. That, just, that was just awful. I felt so bad for her. And it drives me crazy when people do that because that's so unnecessary. Um, and, and I hate it when people ask me, it's almost always about their love life. And it's, mm -hmm. you know, I'm really interested in this guy and I haven't seen him for however many years. Is he so interested in me? And, and the cards will say no. I'm exactly. sorry. Everything about it says no. And I know they want to hear yes. Mm -hmm. But it's like I'm, I just make it as soft as I can. Right. And maybe you just need to move on because don't waste your life on someone who's not interested in you. Yes. And, I, and I've run across that myself. And as a matter of fact, you were talking not only the tarot, I have a dousing rod that I think I've had him for less than 20 years, 15 to 60, I don't know, I can't remember, but same thing. Um, I don't let anybody handle them. And the one couple of times that somebody's handled them, nothing happens with them. They're like, just like there, like, and they're like, how's this working? And I'm like, it's really easy. It's just, but, but <laughs> bent steel rods, but you know, but yeah, it's like, you, you get, you, like you said, you get attuned to these inanimate objects, uh, mm -hmm. but you've put some, you know, your energy's, in you know part of it and uh and then i'll take them and all of a sudden they're like they they come alive and i've used it in a lot of different ways as a matter of fact i tell people like i consider them one of my best tools sometimes uh they take a little bit longer than all the gadgets and stuff that they have nowadays especially when people go in there when doing some type of ghost hunting mm -hmm. but i've had excellent results with them like i said it's just a little bit more time consuming than all the stuff that like i said I, I i started doing this before even before there was the digital you know cameras where you spent a lot of money snapping pictures of sometimes nothing <laughs> because, right yeah a lot of the things uh, really have started maybe in the last 15 or or 20 years as far as all the things that you see nowadays uh, so let me ask you, Cindy, are you working on any books? Are you planning anything new that's going to be coming out soon? I am actually working on um, volume two of the, I'm not sure if it's going to be uh, Chilling Tale Before You Sleep mm -hmm. or volume two. I, I've started the book, but not the title because it's going to be the second in a series, but I'm not sure which series it's going to be yet. Okay. Um, I'm kind of compiling stories right now in whichever way they fit um, it's probably going to be um, true supernatural tales, but we'll see. So far, that seems to be the way the stories are going. But yeah. it, it usually takes me a couple of months to get everything together, so it probably will be late spring that I'll have another book out. Just published one last week, so. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and I know sometimes 
uh and the reason why i ask is that i know especially for these types of books sometimes you know the that time right before halloween so I would, that's what i was thinking that maybe your next one was going to be coming out even though personally i i mean well you can't tell from where i'm at but i mean i've always been a collector of books and like i tell everybody when i was a kid the only type of ghost stories they had was the ones written by hans halser and that was about it and um I've always been fascinated by ghost stories and you know, you you've got the classic ones like MR James and all these Victorian ghost stories, but they, I don't know. There's something about when it's a real ghost story. <laughs> it's like changes everything. And, uh, exactly like what I was saying, it doesn't have to be a, a castle or a Victorian mansion. You can get some really haunted things going on in an apartment <laughs> or 1950s bungalow or things like that. So yeah, those are yeah. The, I'm fascinated by those true ghost stories. But anyway, I, I, I well, I'm those, sure that yeah, you when, when you when you I love it. When you get all these people sending you ghost stories, it's incredible sometimes. Have you found that some people sometimes you're one of the first people or the only people that they've actually told the story to because I know a lot of people keep quiet about those experiences. Usually, yes. Um sometimes um they'll like, there are a lot of people involved, so people around them already know. Mm-hmm. But sometimes people will say, this happened to me when I was a kid, and I didn't tell anyone, or I told my mom, and she didn't believe me, and I never told anyone else. Yes. Um, I have that with this lady, and I just loved her story so much. But um, she's an adult now, but when she was 11, in their family home, she went down to the kitchen one night to get a snack, and there were two men in the kitchen, and... Their mouths were moving, but no words were coming out. And she said it looked like she was watching, like, a reel from a silent movie because she was watching this scene unfold. But they couldn't seem to see her, even though she could see them. And they they were fighting. And then one man hit the other man with something, and she saw blood on the floor. And she witnessed a murder in the kitchen. But And then they were gone. And it only happened once, and no one else in the family ever saw it. She went back upstairs, and she couldn't sleep all night. And she told her mom the next morning. Her mom didn't believe her, and she never told anyone else. And when she sent me the story, I was like, I love it, because I totally believe that sometimes energy is held in one place, and it just repeats and repeats. And maybe no one's ever been there to see it. Maybe it happens all the time, or maybe on the anniversary of the event or whatever. She didn't know these men, and she said it. Just by their clothing and their hair, it looked like this had happened decades before. Everything looked really old to her. But, of course, she was 11, so who knows. But right. um, I love stories like that. And I was, I'm was i fascinated by anything that's kind of reliving the past. And I think stuff goes on around us all the time. We're just not always privy to it. We don't always see it. But, right. yeah, I think there's always stuff going on. Right. And uh, sometimes, I hate to say it, but kids sometimes have just more of an open mind as far as being able to see it because those filters that we put up as we get older or get more preoccupied with life, they're just not there anymore. As a matter of fact, um, I had one guy a couple of months ago, he's telling me this story. He was a kid. He grew up in Queens and he said that this house, uh, his grandfather had bought it and ended up buying the house next door as well. And he said that him and his parents, they moved in there and he said that eventually when he was like a teenager, they decided to make the basement like a, like a rec room. You know, like, hey, all the teenagers go into the basement. 
but he said it was one of those basements, you know, that have the windows were almost at ground level for some lighting mm-hmm. to go in. So he said that he would be always hanging out with his friends down there. And he says every once in a while he would see, they would see shadows going back like, like not, but they said that because they were teenagers and a bunch of guys, they really didn't pay attention to it. Like, hey man, that's a weird shadow. Like, but ah, forget it, whatever. So he says mm-hmm. one day he's sitting down there with a friend of his. And he says that of thin air. Well, you know, like they, they saw him when he was there. They see a man cross the room and go down this hallway, which he knew like ended in a in a cement wall. In other words, it was like a little passage where it was like, there's nothing there. So he says he, him and his friend looked at each other like, did you see that guy? Yeah, I saw that guy. They both get up and they run like to where the guy was. And of course, there's nobody there. And they were like totally wigged out like what happened. So he says the next day, he goes to his mom and he goes, you know, I saw this man. I saw this guy. She goes, well, what did he look like? He goes, well, he looked like he was in his 50s and he was wearing like a, a suit, but like maybe from the 40s or something like that or the 30s. And then she tells him the story that apparently the prior owner of that house there was a trap door that I guess was once upon a time where they would throw coal down into the basement area. And this guy had come home, I don't know for, for, for what reason, didn't know or forgot that that trap door was open and he fell through it and he got died after falling into the basement through that trap door. And he says that after they saw it that one time, that was it. They never saw the shadows again. And of course, he never saw the guy again. But he was like, he was like, he says it was solid. It says it looked like all of a sudden there was like, where did the stranger come out of? And how is he in my basement? And I just saw him walk into a passage where where there's no place for him to have gone. Mm. So, yeah, sometimes there's that one time event, which is like, and, and it makes you think that after that, he says, after that, we never saw the shadows again. Like, what was it that one time that they saw him or whether somebody actually gave acknowledged or recognized and said the story of what had happened to this guy that he had fallen through the trap door down to the basement. He got killed. That was the end of it. Who knows? But yeah, those are the, the, the stories that I like. But anyway, Cindy, thank you so, so much for spending this time today. It has been wonderful to have you because yes, like I said, I love ghost stories, but the true ones are absolutely the best as far as I'm concerned. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed every minute of it. Absolutely, darling. Take care and have a good weekend. You do the same. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, guys, what did you think? Mm -hmm. I I don't know about you, but I think, what can I say? (laughs) Um, You know what? I'm not kidding. Oh, no big deal. No mystery there. Marlene likes true ghost stories. Hello. <laughs> yes, I do. That's a, which, by the way, my true believers, don't forget that story that I just told about that guy. He says that he saw the this this guy walking around with a pinstripe suit in his basement out of nowhere. That was a story from one of my true believers. Okay, he was. This happened to him when he lived in Queens. And uh, lucky, lucky for him that his mom fessed up and told him the truth. Otherwise, that'd still be a mystery. But yes, my true believers, please send me your stories because I love to either hear, you can write them, record them, send me an email, 
you want me to record it if you feel more comfortable just talking to me we could do this over the phone or Skype whatever and like I said it doesn't have to be about ghosts it could be about cryptids it could be just unexplained things weird stuff doesn't matter I'm easy that way, you know. I I just want to hear the stories because uh, a lot of what, like Cindy said, a lot of these um, experiences that everyday people have are the most interesting and the most valid ones. And it doesn't. Um, in her case, when she described what happened to her while she was living there with her husband in that house and her child, that was that's pretty scary because the what if could have happened was a big what if. Um, but you know, there's people though that go through hauntings and they don't have to be significant and sometimes it's low level. And then for some reason, I've run across a lot of these situations where something triggers and sometimes people know what it is and sometimes they don't where everything just amps up or where it was like really subtle and then it would stop for a few months and all of a sudden it amps up it even becomes malicious which is Marlene's theory is coexisting with the dead is never a good idea I don't care who it is grandma, grandpa, uncle, the guy that lived it it, every time I've talked to somebody it always ends up going sideways it might take years to get there but get there it will you know when you gotta discard it no matter even if that person in life was a really nice person it just we're not meant to coexist this is this is our plane for the human beings with the living body but anyway <clears throat> so um and uh it's incredible also what she was ta- talking about her cousins because both of her cousins the male cousin who passed away when he was 40 years old and this female cousin who had a life of all these experiences which sounds like they happened to her just about every place she was at and again this wasn't like oh I smelled coffee brewing we're talking quite um, some type of malevolence and I hear this a lot as far as families or individuals being haunted and if it's a non-human entity what it feeds off of is exactly that despair anxiety fear um, things like that. As a matter of fact, I wanted to have a show on that uh, uh, as far as certain individuals or even families that sometimes for generations they have been, uh, something's been attached to them. And has. And sometimes you can only see this in hindsight. Because let's face it, you know, all families always suffer deaths tragedies that's a human condition but almost like there's um, it's too much so and uh, usually we're talking then uh, not only an attachment but usually a non-human attachment and sometimes uh, and I'll go into it where sometimes it's an ancestor who has intentionally or unintentionally made a vow with this entity and their bloodline okay like I said that's that'll be another show but anyway guys thank you so much for coming back and looking at these shows or hearing it if you're catching it on podcasts which you know that besides the video that you can see on YouTube you can find me which you just go to Miami Ghost Chronicles on YouTube I'm on all the podcast platforms 
Stitcher, iHeartRadio, uh, Spreaker, iTunes. You can find me there, Miami Ghost Chronicles, Stories of the Supernatural. Again, if you have your true story, go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com and go to the Submit Your Story tab, and you'll find me there as far as if you want to. If you have a question or if you want to submit a story, you can do that there. Catch me on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. I do a lot of live streaming on Facebook and on Twitter. And uh, I have some fantastic, I have incredible guests coming up. Really, really a great lineup of fantastic guests. Go, you guys. Whatever your flavor is of the paranormal, I'm going to bring somebody here that you're going to be happy with. So anyway, guys, it's Sunday for me. Have a great rest of the weekend and take care.